Welcome to Southport Congregational on this glorious Labor Day weekend. Please join with me in our responsive call to worship that you'll find in your bulletins. We come with praise for the wonderful works of God. Even before we speak, God knows us completely. The Holy One knows us and sustains us, even in our moments of confusion and doubt. Who can count the thoughts of God? They are more than all the sands of the desert. Like clay in the hands of the potter, we are shaped into vessels of divine will. We come with praise for the wonderful works of God. Please join with me in prayer. God of overflowing grace, as we mark the end of summer and enter a season of new opportunities, we do so with seeking hearts, open hearts, and with lives filled with all sorts of hopes, dreams, needs, concerns, and joys. In responding to your call this hour, help us to slow down for a moment so that we may listen, take more notice, and revere what you offer for our lives. Help us to put our lives back into healthy perspective and into your order so that we may flourish and be fully alive, fully giving and fully responsive to those we love and to those in need. And so God, as we treasure this time for all these reasons, help us to let your spirit in that we may become transformed, reshaped by you. Take us, renew us, love us, as we rededicate our lives to you in complete wonder of the world you have given us. Unite our hearts together as we pray that which Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us into temptation, deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Labor Day weekend. It's, um, it's beautiful to see so many of you on this exciting holiday weekend, so thank you for joining us. Uh, as far as opportunities for church service and announcements go, there aren't a lot. We're wrapping up summer, beach services are done, and Welcome Sunday is next week at 10 a.m. Paul and Laura will be back this week, so we'll be excited to see them and worship with them. 
The senior choir will sing with trumpets and percussion, and after church, the fellowship committee will host a beautiful picnic in the courtyard through which all of us are welcome and encouraged to attend and to celebrate together this new year and this new season. Um, if you have any pastoral concerns up until then, you can feel free to call the church office. I'm still here. And we just have a lot of thanks as regards to this wrapping up of the summer season. So thank you to Bo and to Elaine and to Lonnie Root for all being here with music. Thank you to our live stream dream team and to the flower arrangements that are dedicated by the um, the Fellowship Committee for the Glory of God. There are still openings for altar flower donations. You can contact Pam. And then finally, just um, prepare yourself for the, the season to come and for Rooms with a View 2022 as that comes up. You can um, reach out to Rebecca Steckloff, advertising manager, if you'd like to advertise there. And thank you for joining us in worship as we continue to sing and praise God. They looked at him and saw a simple man, a carpenter with kneeling in his hands. They saw him calm the sea and heal a dying man. They saw, but could they really understand? Bye. 
enter into the spirit of prayer from a separate spirit of prayer, I ask you to keep the following people in your hearts and minds. We pray traveling mercies for all those who are traveling this Labor Day weekend. We also pray for all those who are ill or injured and those who are expecting or recovering from procedures or surgeries. We pray for our youth and all of those who have embarked or are embarking upon new adventures and new school years holding new signs up on the, the stoop of their front door, um, that God may be, them, be with them and that their parents may be okay, even as they miss them. We pray for all those who struggle with mental illness, that they feel loved and supported, receive all the multifaceted channels of help that contribute to healing in lives and minds. And we pray for our seemingly broken world, broken nation, broken communities and lives. We pray that we find our way forward and that God helps us in our struggle for more peace, equality, justice, love. And um, we ask prayers, so too, for all those who are not in the prayer list, for those who haven't reached out, for all those who feel alone, who wonder if anyone hears them or cares. We pray that they know that they are loved and cared for. And so with these concerns and all those in our own hearts and minds and lives, let us come to the Lord in prayer. Lord of love and light, spirit in and amidst us, holy and whole creator and continuer, you have brought us here to this morning, to this chapter of each of our individual lives and communal lives for some purpose. We know not what, Lord, for we see in part, we know in part, we act and understand in part, even as we are fully known, fully seen, fully understood, and fully loved. We've taken different journeys to arrive here, Lord. We've wandered through wildernesses for what seemed like forever. We've called your name again and again, and sometimes we haven't heard you. Sometimes the noise around us has been too loud, too distracting, too painful. But sometimes, Lord, perhaps now, we have heard you call our name. 
we have heard you assure us that you are here. Lord God, whatever this morning, this day, this week, and season, new school year, new opportunity looks like for us, may you tune our ears to hear you. May you attune our eyes to see you, attune our senses to notice you, feel you, here and now, and in the week to come. You, Lord, called yourself Emmanuel, God with us. And so, Christ, we pray that you be with us. So, too, do we pray that you go before us, Lord, making a way through the wilderness, Christ before us, guiding our steps. May you be in our past, Lord, helping us to make sense of where we have been. Christ behind us, for we know that this past is that which constructs us and prepares us for the way ahead. Lord, so too do we pray that your spirit fills us, Christ in us, inspiring the ways we move through this spiritual experience of life. You, Christ, Lord, may you be in all places, in the face of each person we encounter, in the face of danger and doubt, we pray that you encounter us face to face, knowingly and lovingly, and we praise you, for we know that already you do just that. For yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, of despair, of questioning, if we're looking right, Lord, if we are seeing right, we will fear no evil, for we will know that you are with us, and that you will continue to be with us for as long as your breath, your Holy Spirit is in our lungs, inspiring us to song and to speak, and even after ever after, forever and ever in the name of the word spoken at the beginning, which is God, and which was God, and was with God, our Savior and Redeemer Christ, who follows us, who is in us, who is before us and behind us and here. Amen. As we move into our time of offering, I just wanted to share an enlightening conversation that we had in women's group about how we as individuals can make a difference in the world when the needs of others and requests for support can sometimes be overwhelming. How do we decide who to help or where to begin? Reverend Laura gave us the thoughtful advice to choose what speaks to us, offer our assistance, and trust that others will answer the call for what we cannot manage. Mother Teresa shared similar wise words when she said, if you cannot feed 100 people, then feed just one. It is in this loving spirit that our morning offering shall now be received.
in our unison prayer of dedication. God, as we give, you ask us to remember that this moment is a sacred opportunity for us to both thank you for our lives and share your love. May you use our gifts to spread your grace and wonder throughout our church, our community, and our world. Amen. Good morning once more. It is a, it's a funny Sunday, right? It's Labor Day. And Labor Day for me is this kind of very strange, liminal, in-between space. Summer's kind of wrapping up, and fall's not quite here. It's kind of in the air, can't quite tell what's happening. And, and it's a strange kind of irony, too, that even though Labor Day was developed to celebrate the, the workers, the laborers who have worked so hard to build this country and to continue to build it. We use it really to prepare for the work year and school year ahead. Um, and so all of that is to say that by being here, all of you are so deeply appreciated. And I know that there's a lot that you're probably anticipating in the weeks and months to come as we begin this year. Um, so I think we should all take, before we read this scripture, a collective deep breath. <sighs> I think we need another. <sighs> because we have a lot ahead of us, and it was in that seeking for what happens next that I came to you know, my favorite book and found the scripture for this week. So as we enter into the reading of scripture, I will pray, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And our scripture this week comes from the book of Joshua, chapters 1, verses 1 through 7, and then 3, verses 5 through 6. And it reads, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people, into the lands that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all of the land of the Hittites, to the great sea in the west shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall lead this people to possess the land that I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful 
to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. To the priests, Joshua said, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on in front of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went in front of the people. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I love these verses, and they're verses that we don't often hear in Christian contexts and in church, and I love them because they're a strong assurance of the fact that God is with you. We heard three times, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, God is with you. But there's also a slight disclaimer in these lines before we dive into studying the scripture, um, because it, they are verses about entering the Holy Land, about entering into this liminal space, this new chapter, this new time in our lives and season. And the, in, the fulfillment of the Holy Land has been wrought many times with conversations about taking land, about taking space, about imperialism. These verses have been used for dangerous ways to take land away from original inhabitants and to use God as an excuse to do that. And I, before we dive into scripture, I do want to acknowledge the way in that this passage and this narrative, this mindset, has had a really large impact on the subjugation of land and, and the people who have stewarded it. I mean, here we are on our promised soil, and it is called Pequot Drive. And so as our youth group kids know, this land that we call holy, when we worship, did not come without strings attached. But that disclaimer aside, I also don't just want to write off this verse because of its history, because I think something really, really cool is happening in it. So I want to look at the context a little bit. Our scripture is a set of prescriptions for entering the Holy Land. Now, we all kind of know what this idea of the Holy Land was, and it's a story that began in the book of Exodus, right? The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. They were subjugated by Pharaoh, made to do a lot of work. And Moses was sent as a prophet, as a deliverer, to deliver the Israelites out of subjugation and into freedom. They were promised that they would be given a land of milk and honey. And it is in that that we get the dramatic scenes of crossing the Red Sea, of you know, fire coming from the sky, of God doing incredible things. And then something difficult happened. Then they were in the wilderness, without food, without water, without any kind of hope, it seems. And the Israelites wandered there for 40 years. 40 years, and they were led by Moses, this charismatic leader, this strong figure who told them and reassured them over and over again that he had heard the, verse, the voice of the Lord, that he had received the law from on high in Mount Sinai, and that he had it in two tablets and that they ought to listen to it. Moses, as a leader, brought them through the difficult time in the wilderness. And we don't talk about it a lot, but it was not Moses that brought them into the Holy Land. Moses died just before crossing into the Holy Land. Moses never saw the answer to the promised land. Moses never set foot there. It wasn't God's will for Moses. And so we have the book of Joshua, from which we just read, where Joshua, Moses' assistant, a young upstart without the history, without the strength, without the 
Pharaoh's lineage takes that role and is the one to lead them into the Holy Land. And he does this carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which comes up in our scripture. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was the spiritual centerpiece for the Israelite tribe as they wandered through the wilderness. It carried inside of it the two stone tablets of the Ten Commandments that Moses had received. In other words, it carried the time that God had spoken to them. It carried the law, yes, but also proof that God had given them something tangible to rely upon in the desert. And it's really inconvenient to carry it. It had, you know, it was big and large and there were a set of prescriptions to carry it and they're carrying it. And so Moses does not get to enter the Holy Land. Joshua is appointed and we receive this text. And there are four things that I notice in this text that I want us to dive into. And the first is the assurance that God is with us. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You have to imagine this in the context of not knowing where they are. You know, we, I cannot drive anywhere without Google Maps. I have to know where I'm going. I'm sure many of us are the same, where we like to know where we're going. We want to know the next step before we reach this next step, right? We want to know where we're going before we take that step. The Israelites in the wilderness had a cloud of smoke that the Lord was supposedly in that they had to follow. They didn't know where they were going. They had to trust. They had to have complete and total faith. And that's what we receive here is assurance that even though this terrifying, terrifying unknown is in front of them, this liminal space of the wilderness where they could meet starvation, dehydration, or just a really bad day, anything, anything could happen. God assures them that he's with them wherever they go. And I think that that carries on to us too. Wherever we go in this next year, there's a song lyric I really love that says, I don't know where I'll be next fall, but I'll be there anyway. Wherever we go, God is gonna be with us. We have that assurance. And so, because we have that assurance, we can be strong and courageous. But that assurance isn't the end of this story, right? God just doesn't say, hey, everything will be fine. Trust me, we'll wander on into the wilderness and nothing else. The second thing I notice is that there's work involved. Because God says, be strong and courageous, but being careful to act in accordance with the law that my servant Moses commanded you. In other words, God does not just send them off free pass. There's work involved in having a relationship with God. There's work involved in following the path that God has set for us. It says, the book of the law shall not depart out of the, your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that's written in it. We have to put in the work. We have to make t space. Take time to ask God what we're supposed to be doing. And the way in the scripture that God does this is actually really, really funny because it's not just work, right? We have the concept that working is working hard. It is about being the most efficient. And yet, the next part of Joshua is the most inefficient thing that I can imagine. God gives them this mission. They're supposed to go out, hike into the wilderness, claim this space. 
you would think that you would do that with armies. You would do that with a certain amount of terror. You would do that quickly. You would do that with strength. You wouldn't, you know, say carry a giant stone edifice that, that carries the word of the Lord. And so that's the third thing I notice is that it's not just working, but it's working intentionally and working to make space for God. See, the next verse, it says, pass on before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, one for each of the tribes of Israel, so that it may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut out in front of the ark of the covenant and the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. I want you to imagine you wandered for 40 years. You're about to cross into the promise that God has set out for you. And instead of God saying, rush right into it, this is yours, you've worked for it. Do the work hard, work smart, absolutely. Carry a stone? Carry a stone through the water? Carry this Ark of the Covenant in front of you? That doesn't make sense for a military leader. That doesn't make sense. And yet, that's the assurance and faith that we have is that it's not about working smarter or harder. It's about working to make the most meaning. And that, I think, is the lesson of this, is that fourth lesson of wonder. How often do we work hard or we work smart? How often when we look at the semester, the year, the fall ahead of us, do we think about our schedules? Do we plan out, do we map all of the ways in which we're gonna work hard, that this year is gonna be better, that we're going to accomplish these things? And instead, what would happen if we cut out a space to say, where's God gonna work? How can I set a physical reminder of where God is working in my life? Because that's what the Ark of the Covenant is. They didn't need the Ark of the Covenant to have God with them. We're told in the, in the scripture that we have God with us right now. We have the Holy Spirit. God is with us. We have that assurance from the beginning of this verse and into the later years. But it's helpful to set up reminders to carry a stone that reminds you of the weight that you've carried, to carry a physical book of the law with you as a reminder of what God has said to you in the past and the promises that God is going to fulfill. The work that God instructs us to do in entering into the promised land, this time of milk and honey, that I think is what this fall is, what the school year, what the work year is, is not work harder. It's work harder to make space for wonder. And what is wonder? But something that catches you off guard, something you didn't expect, something you couldn't have scheduled, something you couldn't have planned. It's the route that you accidentally take when your phone is dead and Google Maps isn't loading that leads you somewhere fun or somewhere unexpected or somewhere very difficult from which you grow. Wonder, we get the verse, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Just like in the beginning where we receive the full assurance that God is with us, in the middle of this passage, we then have the prescription that we have work to do. 
You have to carry stones. You have to carry the Ark of the Covenant. You should follow the law. You should do the things that are yours to do. This isn't a free pass that God is giving you. There are obligations. There's a relationship. We are to do justice. We are to love mercy. We are to walk kindly. But at the end, too, there is the awareness that it's not just our work that matters. That what we need to do is not work to construct ourselves, but work to deconstruct ourselves, to make ourselves open, to sanctify ourselves. In other words, to create a space inside of us for the Holy Spirit to enter, for the Lord to do wonders among you. And so as we sit here on this Sunday and we anticipate the year ahead, what wonders do you expect God to do in your life this year? What wonders do you expect God to do in our community this year? What is the dream, the dream work, not what you think should happen, not the worst case scenario, not all the plannings and stipulations for what could go terribly wrong, but the best case scenario? What does that look like? And how can, rather than you work towards that, because we absolutely should, this is not a Jesus take the wheel, hands off scenario, how can we create space so that work can be done, that work can be in motion? Part of this is about envisioning the Holy Land. In this liminal space, we've been wandering through the desert of the summer, and it's time to step into the Holy Land. And what are we going to do? Are we gonna rush into it? Or are we going to intentionally take stones and carry them so that when our children ask in the time to come, what do these stones mean to you? We can tell them, well, these stones are evidence of the time that God liberated me, that God saved me, that God showed me what was possible when I didn't believe it. What does wonder look like to you? I um. I've been thinking a lot about wonder and about opening oneself up to where the Spirit might lead in the context of the Holy Spirit. As many of you know, I, I served as a chaplain this summer, and you never really knew what was going to happen when you knocked on a door. You couldn't write a sermon because you didn't, even if you read the diagnosis, you didn't know what that person was going through. We wander very blindly through life. We don't know in conversation the next line that someone is going to say to us. We trust in the moment to fill us. And so, because this is an intimate crowd and because I love you all very much, I'm going to confess that I actually very intentionally did not write an entire sermon. I wrote a guideline. I wrote an outline. I wrote and made space for God to say what God was gonna say. Just like we do normally, just like it's terrifying to do here in a pulpit. Like I am so scared, thank you all for being here. Um, but maybe God showed up. Maybe the spirit is here. Maybe God didn't. I don't believe that though. I think that we are called, in fact, to construct stones, to create an altar in the way that Joshua did, right? Here are the guidelines that we want to try to live up to, but where is the Spirit going to enter? We talked a lot about the Holy Spirit in church this year, 
about the way that it's calling us to move. And I want us to continue that in the year to come. I want us to continue that as we step into this new school year, as we step into this new church year. Where are we called to find wonder? I find wonder looking at, at faces. I, I love watching everyone's face when they see Bo Sing, for example. There's wonder because you don't know what's gonna come next. And so, rather than working harder or smarter this year, I'm sure we'll do plenty of that. I hope that we work with wonder and that we put that work in. And I think that on Labor Day, of all days, it is a day to celebrate that work and that wonder, knowing that we don't go it alone, knowing with that assurance that even when it's scary, God says to us, be strong and courageous, for you shall lead this people to possess the land that I swore to give them. And he says again, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go into this next year, this medical procedure, this relationship, this conversation, this lunch date, this anything. Be strong and courageous and trust that spirit and the work will be done. Amen.
even when we don't know where we're going, we end up somewhere. And even when we're not sure where the end of our sentence is going, it finds ears. There's um, an African proverb that has guided me for many years, and it says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with someone. And I want to add that if you want to go with wonder, with delight, with joy and anticipation, go with God, go with the Spirit. And so, as we enter into this promised land of the new year, I pray that you go with God, and I know that you will. May the Lord bless you and keep you, lift his face upon you, and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, go with God. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.